Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Bob, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I got a question for you. Um, I got a 43-year-old house, single story, um, up in the attic recently. I noticed I've got a crack in a rafter. I don't have engineered joists. Um, so it's 43 years old. I got the um, individual, I guess you'd call it, um, apologize for not knowing the construction terms, but I think That's it's okay. a rafter. Yeah. A rafter going, going from the ceiling joists up to the framing for the roof. It's about 11 feet long. And I'd say it started to split over four feet of that length. Okay. Um, my concern is um, the length of that, that split, um, can I just tack on a sister board? I guess the good news is it's in a place where I can get to it. Okay. Um, tack on a sister board to that, or should have somebody come in and remove and replace that? And when you say it's cracked, is it just like a straight line crack that's running through, the, like, through the board, like, or is it, it going like down to one of the edges? It's not going down to the edges yet. It, it, it looks like it's cracking along the um, the um, the wood um seems the grain yeah the grain to get a wood grain yeah okay uh truthfully i I probably wouldn't lose a whole lot of sleep over it because even if one did crack uh it can be dealt with later if if need be if it broke all the way through but if you want to be proactive yeah just take a another board up in the attic with you and fish plate it on you know that's where you sister it on to it yeah and you'll be just fine like uh, um, carriage bolts? Uh, you don't even have to get that wild. You can just use nails or screws. Nails. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, looking at looking at the board, I'm not sure if I get nail into that one that's up there, if it's not going to split some more. Yeah, just use oh, screws. Okay. And, and if it gets okay. to where you're going to use carriage bolts, then I would recommend you put a board on each side of it and drill all the way through and clamp it down in between. Okay. And that's okay. In, in, I'm not anticipating selling, but for future, that would be, just, you know, an inspector would come and say, yes, an inspector would they're, they're not even going to think twice about it. Okay, super. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Linda from Dallas sent in an email. I just bought a home with ceramic tile floor, and after the recent heavy rain, found a puddle of water on the floor in an exterior wall, or near an exterior wall. Could not find any evidence of a leak. From the ceiling or the window, house has slab foundation which had been tunneled under a few months ago to facilitate replacement of sewer line under the house. Inspector noted that dirt was piled too high in some places around the foundation, but it does not appear to be high on the exterior wall near this puddle. There is a root ball embedded in the soil near this wall. Any ideas? how to identify the source of the problem. I'm not sure who to call. Thank you, Jim. Well, this sounds like it very well could be a drainage issue. That root ball can actually hold a tremendous amount of moisture because a lot of times there's air pockets around the roots and that'll tend to hold moisture. And if it's holding water in it, that's almost like having a puddle sitting there. And so that very well could be the cause of it. Now, the fact that this is on top of the tile, though, does indicate to me that it's probably coming through the wall 
and getting in there. And for that, I think we go back to the soil being too high in some areas. You know, even though there's, it may not be right where the water is on the tile that the soil is too high, if the moisture gets into the wall because the soil is too high in one area, it can travel along the sill plate and come in somewhere else when it finds an opening. You know, water's going to take path of least resistance. And it could be something as simple as the water's traveling on the sill plate and there's a joint in the sill plate right where that water source is. You can't see it because it's behind the sheetrock, but that gives the water a chance to escape out. So I think it's going to more than likely link back to the soil being too high and allowing water to sit there that is above the slab level and it comes in through the wall then. Let's go to Galveston first. Joe, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate you calling. It keeps me from talking to myself. <laughs> I have a quick question for you. Uh, as the, uh, you know, this recent Texas freeze, I had some pipes uh, fail. They were copper. Uh-huh. And again, because of the shortage of supplies, the plumber repaired them with uh, shark bite fittings. Okay. And they're working fine. My question is this. Uh, is that considered a temporary or can I make just leave it as a permanent fix? No, you can leave it as a permanent fix. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because everything I've looked, uh, read on it says uh, they are good. Shark bite uh, fittings are good, and I think their warranty is 25 years. Yeah. It, I'll it, be it'll, gone by then. <laughs> you sure, huh? <laughs> I don't know. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it. It will last as long as the pipe lasts. They they actually are very good fitting. Fantastic. Well, I, that's what I not know because I wanted to know because I was worried. You know, at night I think, oh, am I going to have to have the plumber come back and replace those with, uh, you know, the copper and sweat them back in and all this good stuff. Yeah. Uh, but they haven't been leaking. Nope, nope. You should be good to go. Walter, how are you today? Hello, Jim. Um, I bought a brand new uh, uh, manufactured home uh, for a little getaway up in the country, uh-huh. and um, I was thanks to my wife. I was putting in a to- her toilet paper holder, which she had to have, into the bathroom wall, and I lost my footing, and I kind of bashed a hole in the wall, just a small one, about the size of a silver dollar, I guess. And uh, I noticed. I looked in that hole, and I kind of noticed. There's no insulation in that wall, and that's that's adjacent to an outside wall. And what what do you I'm mean thinking, by adjacent to it? Well, not adjacent. Well, it is it is an outside wall. Okay. The, the other side of that wall is outside of the house. Yep. And I noticed there's no insulation there, and it was about oh three foot up off the ground. Up to put the, up knocked that hole in the wall, and. Uh, I was kind of wondering, uh, not only should it be insulated, I actually paid for extra insulation in that wall, in all the walls, outside walls. Uh, and it kind of worried me. I fixed it and put a toilet paper holder on there and everything. And uh, now I'm thinking, well, if there's no insulation in that wall, there must not be any insulation all over the house. There's no telling. I don't know. But my question is, is there a piece of equipment or something that I can use to kind of scan these walls uh, and let me know if there's any insulation in these walls at all. 
Yeah, there actually is. Um, you can get a thermal camera. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it's hot outside, that thermal camera will show you where there's insulation and where there's not insulation. Hmm. Okay. Okay, that's what, uh, that's what I'm going to have to do then. All yeah. right. And, and you know, I've never used one, but I've seen that they do make some type of adapter for iPhones if you want to try something like that. But mm. your your other choice is they do make little bitty cameras, but you'd have to drill holes in different places to stick it in there. And so right. I would use like, the, the energy efficiency companies use the thermal cameras. Right. Okay. That's not something you can go run down to the local hardware store and buy then, is it? Probably not. Okay, I'll probably just have to hire somebody. To now you kind of, you said you bought this brand new, right? That's actually it's a brand new home, twenty twenty one. I tell you what, I would do. I I personally wouldn't be wasting my time doing anything other than calling the uh, place where I bought it and say, "Hey, there's no insulation in these walls. Let them prove that it's there." Yeah, because you yeah, already that, looked that, that, in one and it didn't have it. Right, right. I mean, that, that kind of worries me a little bit, you know. And I also paid for a, a radiant barrier tech shield up in the up uh, on the roof decking, and and uh, there's no attic access. So I'm wondering if they even put that in there. So yeah, uh, so I'm thinking yeah, just, about uh, just call you know, them up, and you know, they'll actually probably have uh, access to those cameras and stuff. Let them come uh-huh. out and prove to you that it's there. Okay, well that sounds like a good idea. And another thing, I notice when I'm when I'm barefooted, me and my wife, we're walking on the carpet in the master bedroom or another bedroom. We're walking on the carpet. We're kind of noticing that it feels like there's something underneath the carpet. It, it seems like a, there's little smooth rocks or something underneath this carpet and the padding. Well, what do you think that might be? Because we've had other houses, we've never felt anything like that. You got sheetrock finish uh, uh, inside. Uh, beg your pardon. Is is a sheet is it sheetrock inside? Uh, yes, that's what I was thinking. When yeah, they, they got sheetrock sheet mud in. on the floor. Exactly, sheetrock. There's probably pieces of sheetrock underneath the carpet, and, well, and that's what I'm thinking. And then it's when they probably the, the carpet, mud from taping and floating. Oh, okay. So yeah, as long as there's not pieces of sheetrock that could deteriorate and come back up through the carpet, you know, when you're vacuum when you're vacuuming. But, uh, okay, that's kind of what I thought it might be, pieces of sheetrock or, or something like that, sheetrock mud. Yep. But uh, it's, it's lumpy and bumpy, but uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the info on that. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Randy, how are you? Doing great. Well, how can I help you? Well, I noticed in my kitchen that the uh, cabinet doors wouldn't stay shut. They kept on opening up. So I got to looking, and it appears, or it well, don't appear, it's a fact that cabinets are coming off the walls at the top. So I don't know if I, in your opinion, should, I'm going to have to replace the whole cabinets, or can you oh, think I no. can get some re- repaired? Yeah, no, you, yeah, you don't have to replace the cabinets over that. Is the... The backboard staying on the cabinet and the frame is coming apart, or or is the whole back, you know, the back of the cabinet coming with the cabinet, and there's separation between that backboard and the sheetrock? Yeah, the separation between the backboard and the you know and the framing. Okay. The cabinet itself. I can see the staples and the glue and 
and all that. Okay, so the cabinet itself is coming apart. Correct. So you know, it's underneath the microwave, you know, because it's got a microwave attached to the, you know, one cabinet. Yeah. In that section. Okay. Well, it, it sounds like the staples and stuff are just letting loose. So you actually can, you know, push it back into place. Uh, and not being able to see it, I can't tell if you're going to have to remove the staples or not in order to do that. But you very well may have to. And then literally yeah. re-staple it and everything back together. Or use little brad nails, screws, anything that, that you can use as a fastener along there to put it back together. Um, yeah, and, then, and then lighten the load because you got work. something too heavy in there. Yeah, but I've tried to push it back in, but it won't push in itself. Yeah, that's, and that's why you're going to probably have to remove all those staples and stuff. Because that's what's keeping it from going back in. Um, you're in. So this is I'm going to have to remove the whole cabinets from the wall to probably to get it repaired, though. You know, it, it would make it much easier if you did. Uh, okay. What What did you have stored in that thing that it that would do that? Well, it's got the microwave that's you know mounted to the one that's over the stove, and then the other side just dishes and. Stuff like that. Really nothing. Okay. Really, really the heavy. microwave actually shouldn't be attached to it. That should have a bracket hanging on the wall for the microwave. Yeah. Now, the way uh, it mounts, it's mounted, to, it's mounted to the one cabinet. I know that. Uh, I, I mounted it okay. myself. <laughs> Not supposed to do that. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, you, on a microwave, it should have a bracket that actually is on the back, on the wall that the uh-huh. microwave hooks onto, and that's what takes all the load. And that's more than like the issue is then, because that, that that gets too heavy for the for the cabinet. Okay. Yes. Insulation in a crawl space before we get back into calls. Fiberglass takes on moisture. Cellulose will take on moisture, and underneath in a crawl space, the ground itself gives off a lot of moisture. So if you're going to insist on having insulation underneath a crawl space home, closed cell spray foam insulation is the only thing to use. It doesn't take on moisture, doesn't let the moisture get to the wood, so it actually helps preserve the wood at the same time that, you know, it's it's uh, sealing up for air infiltration and, and everything else into the living space. But, as I, I stated when this was a 127-year-old house, most crawl space homes were built with no insulation in those crawl spaces. And yes, if it's real cold outside, you might feel a little cool on your toes. You can wear slippers. Uh, the house, it breathes very well this way and helps with the, the longevity of the house. I mean, you're keeping the wood dry that way. When you start sealing everything up, that's when you start having moisture problems. You'll start getting wood floors that cup and different things like that. So if it was me... And you're talking to somebody who grew up in a house built in 1926. I would leave those floors alone. Terry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jack. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call, Jim. Uh, we were looking at building a house up in the hill country in Blanco. Uh-huh. And one of the questions I'm kind of curious about is the air conditioning system between the heat pump and the regular standard air. I mean, is there a plus or a minus either way? Yes, big one. Now, is this going to be okay. a, uh, your full-time house or a weekend house? 
No, this will be eventually our full-time retirement home. Okay. The biggest difference is the amount of money you'll spend on energy. A, uh, if And I'm assuming you don't have gas. This is going to be all electric, correct? No, sir. We're going to use propane for heating. Oh, then, then don't worry about uh, uh, a heat pump. Oh, okay. You, if you're all electric, the heat pump is huge because it'll take uh, an electric bill that in the winter months runs you $500, and it'll cut it down to like two fifty three hundred. But if you're gonna, if you got the, if you got gas, whether it's uh, you know natural gas or propane gas, the LP. Uh, you you don't need to worry about i mean they make systems that will do both but personally i would just use the gas and, and be done with it perfect all right because the builder was trying to push in the heat pump and i just said that there's anything good or bad about it that's why i was calling and checking yeah now if you're if you're going to have uh, uh gas for heat just use the gas for heat because let, let's face it we don't use heat all that long in texas anyways um but the cost difference on a new system with a heat pump versus uh, strip electric strip heat, you know, there, there isn't that big a difference. Typically, one winter pays off the difference in the cost, and the rest of the time you're saving money. But if you got natural gas or propane, uh, that's going to be your primary heat source anyways, and it just never really pays for itself to include that heat pump with the natural gas. Thank you for that advice. We'll keep that in mind and go that route then. All righty. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. And, and, you know, just FYI for everybody, all a heat pump is is reversing the compressor, basically, on the air conditioning system, where what the normal air conditioning system is doing, you know, you're running air across the coils to cool it down. Well, they reverse it and they pull the warm air out of the outside, even all the way down to nowadays, they go down below freezing even. Uh, and then as the air condition, as the air blows across the coils, it's heated up to circulate in the home. But gas does such a, a better job of heating. You just don't need to, to have that heat pump, in my opinion, when you have gas to go with it. Let's uh, head to Richardson. Brian, how are you? Hello, Mr. Jim. Are you doing all right today? Yes. Well, how can I help you? I'm calling about them tension cables on these newer houses and the older houses. Yeah. Do they they need to be restretched after 10 years or so? or do, No. Or just leave them alone? Just leave them alone, yep. Um, the, the, what, the way those are put in, you know, they pour the slab with the cables in there. They come back a week later, tension them, and then that's it. You're done. You don't ever have to mess with them again. The original theory was if, if you had foundation problems, they could come in and retension them and pick the slab up. Well, that doesn't work. It, it, they, they've never been able to do that. And if a slab is far enough out of level that it stretches those cables, every once in a blue moon, I'll find one where we'll say, you know, these te these cables really ought to be tensioned after leveling. But we're talking a, a house that one side has dropped like eight oh, inches. I'm, I'm sorry. But, uh, that's okay. okay. But beyond it, that, don't worry about it. Hey, 
Yeah, so there's not a maintenance issue with them? No, sir, not at all. Thank you, Mr. Jim. You bet. Take care. Yeah, the, the, the only maintenance on a post-tension cable is if the grout comes off the cup. And what the cup is is a little indention in the foundation where the cable goes. And so if, you're, if your foundation side is not just nice and f- flush, you see a little indention where the cable is, you need to clean up the cable and regrout, you know, cover that hole up. Other than that, there's nothing that needs to be done with them. Tina in Frisco, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing today? Wonderful. Okay, my question for you, thank you for taking my call today. You bet. Um, I heard you say that when a home gets to be about 15 years old, that the trees can get so large that they take the moisture from under the foundation and that they might cause damage. So my question to you is, we have two large trees out Mm -hmm. front, about 15 feet from the house. Should we have those trees removed or just keep trimming them higher and higher? (laughs) No, you can do what's called a root barrier. And yeah, that's that's where a trench is dug about three feet deep between the house and the tree. And we install a a high density plastic barrier in there so the roots can't just grow back up uh, through it to the house. And the reason we go three feet is most roots are in the top 18 inches and they just won't go down and uh, underneath three feet. But at 24 inches, they can sometimes go under them. So that's the reason when I do one, I go three feet. But uh, trees add too much value to a home to simply remove them. Okay. And a lot of people don't realize this, but, uh, you know, like those trees in the front yard, for instance, you take those out, you can drop the price of your house about $10,000. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Jim, and you, you have bet. a wonderful day. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye. And, you know, uh, just a, a, a quick side note. If a person puts in a watering system for the foundation, you really want to be addressing the tree roots at the same time because you start watering the foundation, you'll attract more tree roots. And so you need to make sure that you're, you know, uh, uh, addressing it to, to the point where you don't have to worry about the tree roots causing an issue for you. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.